This is the I Want to Play College Golf podcast. We talk to those who coached and those who have played college golf, so you can learn what it takes to be a college golfer. Are you ready to tee off? Let's go. Eric Meeks, professional golfer and golf instructor. So, for the first question, how'd you get into golf? Uh, my dad. My dad got me going in the game. Um, so he was a really good amateur golfer and practiced all the time. When uh, my brother and I were young, I have a twin brother, Aaron. And so from about seven on, he used to take us out to the range and then um, have us hit some golf balls. So he got us going in the game from an early age. So I started right around seven. Ooh, okay. And um, how did you play in your junior years of golf? How did I play? Yeah, like, yeah. Anything you so good? not very good in the beginning. So uh, took a long time to learn the game, and I, I played other sports. So I played, I played soccer. Um, I played baseball. I played baseball for three years. So and then I played golf also. So and then basically, so I played junior golf uh, starting around nine, and and then finished in the top three. I don't remember ever winning. Uh, but I finished in the top three, won, won some medals, and then. Um, but I was playing all the other sports too, so I couldn't practice. I practiced a little bit, but not like every day. Uh, and then when I was twelve, I decided, okay, no more. I'm going to stop with the other sports and then only play golf. So I used to practice every day. So basically, if I wasn't in school, I was practicing. And so before school, after school, if it was raining, I practiced because all the other kids wouldn't wouldn't be out in the rain. Uh, you got to play tournaments in the rain anyway, so uh, I would pick up time on the other kids. Um, I put up, used to live on a golf course down in Southern California, so I used to put on a baseball cap with a flashlight taped to it and go out on the green and practice at night. So 9 o'clock at night, I was out there chipping and putting, uh, picking up time on the other kids. So even when I was 12, I struggled, and then uh, but from that point forward, it, uh, I started catching all the other kids, and then I passed most of them, really all of them. Uh, and so it took me, and I'm moving along here, but 10 years of hard work from basically 12, well, just over 10 years to go from uh, you know, not winning anything in junior golf to basically winning in junior golf and becoming the number one amateur golfer in the world. So it was 10 years of hard work. Very interesting. Do you have any favorite experiences or tournaments? Yeah. So um, just trying to think. Uh, so after, after getting you know, a year or two in junior golf, I started winning. Okay, but I can't remember exact, the exact tournaments, but I had a lot of top finishes and then uh, started winning, winning tournaments. And then... We played, uh, I played, my brother also, uh, all over the country on AJGA events. And I did well, but I never won. Um, and we were recruited to, uh, from that to the University of Arizona. And we got a scholarship to the University of Arizona and a scholarship at Fresno State University. And so I ended up going to Fresno State, and my brother went to University of Arizona because we didn't want to compete against each other. So um, to make the traveling team. And then Fresno State had a better team at the time. They were top 20 in the country. So uh, 
Aaron went to Arizona, and I went to Fresno State. That's cool. Yeah. And, and uh, then, let me just follow up with that. So the, after three semesters, I transferred from Fresno State to Arizona to join Aaron at, at Arizona. And then uh, we had a couple of other recruits come in, and we ended up being um, the number one team in the country. So the number one ranked team in the country. That's cool. Yeah, and we won the, the Pac-10. At the time, it was the Pac-10. And then uh, we finished sixth in the NCAA. So we didn't NCAA, but we finished sixth. And so both you and your twin are great golfers. How did you motivate each other? Yeah. So I always wanted to be better than him. I think he was beating me. And I always want to get out there and practice. So my brother, my twin brother, you know, wouldn't beat me. And I didn't like it, but you know, if he beat me, I would hey, congratulate him. I was always, you know, we always got along well. Uh, it was no, uh, you know, I didn't have any like ill will or for him. But but look, if he was beating me, yeah, I had to get that right. <laughs> so <laughs> I would practice, practice, practice. But then, you know, he beat me a lot in my career, and, and but I also beat him. And I think overall, I probably got him a little more than he got me. But uh, he was an excellent golfer. He, he played. Junior golf, collegiate golf, and professional golf. Uh, he played for about 15 years professionally. So it was good. Very good. And what were some of your best finishes in junior golf? Okay, so um, just trying to remember. Uh, I can't remember the tournaments I won, but I won. Um, I played uh, junior world twice. And then I never qualified for U.S. junior, though. But I was always one of the top juniors, but I never made America's Cup or Hogan Cup. And so that kind of pushed me to be, I was always like the, the next person to, to make the team, um, the first person out. And so that really motivated me to become better. So that's where the whole practice, the work ethic thing came in. A lot of my friends, you know, I grew up playing with guys who won Junior World. And another, two other of my friends won U.S. Junior Am. So, you know, I saw their success, and so I was happy for them, but I knew I could I could beat them, you know. So I kept practicing, 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 and then the whole thing is I ended up uh, getting my college scholarship, and then I went on to win twice in college and become a collegiate All-American and then play on the number one team in the country. And so from there, I got the confidence that when I did qualify for the U.S. Amateur, uh, I went through, went through the whole thing and, and won. You know, it wasn't. It was. There were tough times in that tournament, but uh, there's. And I think in any tournament you play, there's. It doesn't always just go your way, you know. So there, uh, there was a few times. There were a few times in that tournament that I was on the brink of elimination, losing the tournament, but then fought back and ended up working through the adversity and, and ultimately winning the tournament. And so from there, that that gave me uh, three wins in a year, basically two collegiate wins, and then. Uh, the number one ranking in the world for amateur golf. Then from there, I was exempt into the U.S. Open, Masters, the British Open, um, the Memorial, professional tournaments that I played as an amateur. And then also, because I was number one ranked amateur in the country, I was on the Walker Cup team. So that's the top, the top 10 players in the country uh, that play against Great Britain and Ireland every, every two years. And so it's, it's the same thing as the Ryder Cup, except for it's amateur golf. And then I was also on the World Amateur Team. Uh, it's the top four players 
in the country. Again, playing against the top four players from every country around the world. Um, and that's every every two years. So it's extreme. those teams are, were extremely difficult to make. So I, I went from not making America's Cup and Hogan Cup and Junior Golf to making uh, the Walker Cup and the World Amateur Team representing the United States later. And so my basically failing to make those teams pushed me to work harder and ultimately accomplish much, much bigger things. Very nice. And when did you realize that you wanted to play college golf? Uh, when I was 12, when I was 12, I decided I wanted to play college golf and professional golf. So at that moment, when I, when I stopped playing all the other sports, I chose golf. And from that moment forward, I, I knew where I was headed. And, I, and the thing is, is I wanted to be number one golf. So that was the way the goal of mine to be number one. So, which I accomplished. So the way I was going to do that, I was going to outwork everybody. And then from there, I wanted to move on and win um, U.S. Open and become and play on the Ryder Cup team and for in professional golf and win the U.S. Open and that type of thing. Should become the number one player in the world professionally. I never reached that, uh, but I did play in two U.S. Opens, the British Open, um, and played professionally for twenty years around the world. So. Um, I accomplished most of the goals I set out to accomplish. So in the beginning, you know, when I started practicing with 12, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play amateur golf, collegiate golf, and on to professional golf. I want to be the number one player in the world. I want to win majors. Okay. So then I worked every, I made a point about working everybody. And then, um, I was behind in the beginning, then got caught down. A lot of kids that beat me early in junior golf couldn't beat me later. Like this, uh, by the time I get to college, they weren't even close anymore. And then on the professional golf, they were done, and my career was just starting. So um, I ended up accomplishing most of the goals I set, set out to accomplish. So uh, and I, it was because of my work ethic and my vision, you know, knowing what I wanted it, what I wanted to accomplish, that got me, got me there, and, and helped me, you know, reach those goals. Yes, I love that mindset. And it's a very great experience you went through. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, you won the U.S. Amateur. Can you tell us about it and what you were experiencing? Yeah. So, first of all, it's very difficult to qualify for any USGA event. So, I waited for, I qualified for the U.S. Amateur one time. And it was the last time uh, I tried. Okay, so I played all through college. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I never made the U.S. Junior, uh, and a friend, two friends of mine won the U.S. Junior. So I, I had that in my mind that hey, uh, but I never qualified for the U.S. Junior. So that pushed me to keep practicing and then try for the U.S. Amateur. That's the next level. So I, I kept missing though. It's very difficult. There's maybe a hundred people for like three spots. It's you need to play well to qualify for U.S. Junior. Event. So I missed by a, a shot or two. A handful of years, and so after my college career, which is very successful, uh, I decided to wait. And uh, I was done in May. I get my degree in May. I decided to wait till August to give the U.S. Amateur one more shot. That was kind of a goal of mine to win the U.S. Amateur because we, if you win the U.S. Amateur, you get a master. So uh, I worked all summer long on my game. Went to qualify. The qualifying was in my home course, Friendly Hills, in Whittier, California. 
And I went out there and I shot a 76 the first round, which is a par 70. It's like the highest score I've ever shot out there, right? I mean, and I can tell you why. Because I was nervous and I was lost my focus. I wanted to win. This is my last chance at uh, US Amateur. So, uh, you know, the on the verge of elimination right here, not even in the tournament because I shot a 76 the first round. And so they're only taking three people. And so I went out in the afternoon, it's 36 holes. Went out in the afternoon and shot a 65, which is the lowest score I've ever shot on that course. So and I made it, I made it the, you know, the last guy in basically. So, you know, played the, the worst round to my best round in one day, made it through, been back there, and there's 300, so there's 7,000 people to start out, and then there's 312 back at the site. And you play, uh, there was, you had two rounds of qualifying, so 18 and 18. So out of those 312 people from around the country who qualified, they have two more rounds and make the top 64. So I ended up finishing second in that qualifying. So I was really playing well at the time. And then uh, finished second, which is a big, a big deal because well, everybody back there, they were good players. All the top collegiate players were there. Uh, and then, so then you, you go into match play. And the second qualifier plays the person who finishes finished 63rd in the qualifying, which sounds like, well, that player can't play, but they're actually excellent. Top 64 players in the world are playing now match play. And so I came out a little flat, and I was one down with two to play. And so I was pretty much, you know, on the verge of elimination again right there. Uh, and I didn't realize the guy I was playing, but he, in June, losses in the, uh, the finals of the California State Am. So he was on a, having a great summer, excellent player. I just think, oh. And here I am having to play him in the first round after finishing second. So I was a little flat. He was ready to go. And so basically he, he had me. One, two, two hours ago, I had to finish birdie birdie to beat him one up. So, you know. Rallied down the stretch, fought through the finish line, beat him one up, moved on to the second round. And by that time, I was, I was, you know, getting my, I was ready to go. Basically, that that was a little flat for the first round, but the, the second round, I figured, hey, I really need to play. Otherwise, I'm gonna, I don't lose here. So, I played well, went right through that guy. I think he played, he played his college golf in Florida. I can't remember his name, but um, went through him. And then the third round. I had played with uh, the two-time champion, Jay Siegel. And so I remember watching him on TV win. And so that kind of gave me the idea about five years before, hey, that would be a cool tournament to win because I used to watch it on TV. And so now from five years before watching him, paired with him in match play. And so I was nervous because I'm playing a two-time champ. And um, even though I was younger and I, was confident, still, still felt very, you know, nervous, basically. So I had trouble early because of the nerves, and I made some bogeys, and he had me. He was up. He was up in a match. He was, he was two up with one, two, three, well, let's see here. He was two up with five to go. One, two, three, four, five. Two up. And when you go three down in match play, it's tough to come back. So uh, basically, I was in a bunker, a uh, 35-yard bunker shot with a lip in front of me, and then there was this uh, 
a ridge in the green. You had to fly 30 yards and 35 to the hole. So it was a really hard shot. He was, in the, he was close about 20 feet, 30. Anyway, I was my bunker shots all the time. So I knew how far uh, they would they would fly because I practiced that. You know, the distance control out of the bunker. I knocked on a foot, tied the hole. I'm still two down with four to go. But then started birdieing down the stretch to tie him through 18. And then we went batch play uh, again for extra holes. Okay, so the first hole we tied, the second hole we tied, and the third hole. So the 21st hole of the day, uh, we had a bump and run shot. Well, you know, the bump and run is what I practice at 9 o'clock at night every night with my flashlight on my baseball cap. So he, he got to hit his shot. He bladed it 20 feet past. Before I even, before I even hit my shot, I knew I had him. I'm, I'm going to win the match because I knew that shot because of the, my work ethic. So I knocked it up there a foot, tapped in. And won the match, so it was huge to take out, to knock off the, the two-time champ. So big confidence boost. Then the next match, I played uh, a teammate of mine, uh, Robert Gamas, who ended up, he ended up being collegiate player of the year the next year, and and then went on to win twice on the PGA Tour the next year. So excellent player. Uh, but uh, he. Basically, with three holes to go, we were tied, and he went for par five and two, and I knew he couldn't get there because my ball was 10 yards ahead of him, and I couldn't get there. And so I think that he lost his focus. He knocked in the water. I went one up, and then I won 18, so two up. So made it through him. Semifinal match, played first-team All-American, David Toms, who David Toms has been on the PGA Tour. He won the PGA Championship, a major. Um, he's one of the best players. Uh, he's played on the Ryder Cup team uh, over the last 20 years, one of the best players. He's like $40 million in his career. He's one of the best players out there. He's older now, but uh, I played him in the semifinals. I beat him one up, and that was the match to go to the Masters, so it's a very important match. Uh, but I made you know, through him. By the time I got to the finals, uh, I had already played the two-time champ, the basic collegiate player of the year, and then uh, First team All American from LSU, David Toms. And then, so by the time I got to the final, uh, I played the best match of it was 36 holes in one day. And basically, it was the best, the best I played the whole week. Uh, and the guy I played against was an excellent player. He was mid amateur champion after the fact and won the Southern Am and a bunch of other tournaments. So he was a good player. Uh, but having gone through all the very, the, the, some of the best players, uh, in collegiate golf before that, uh, I was ready for that match and I ended up winning seven and six. So seven up, seven holes, uh, seven up with six holes to go in match play. Good job. Okay. So from there, <laughs> I got exemptions for being the number one player uh, in the world in amateur golf. You get exemptions. So it got me in the USO. Got me in the British Open, got me in the Masters, uh, and then the Walker Cup and the, and the World Amateur Team, which I talked about already. Uh, and then, but one other thing is when you play in the U.S. Open, if you're from a U.S. Amateur Champion, they pair you with the previous year's U.S. Open Champion and the previous year uh, British Open Champion. So it just happened to be Curtis Strange who won, like I said, the year before, but he was the number one player in the world. And Seve Ballesteros, which is, was the number two player in the world. And so 
as a young kid getting the opportunity to go to Rochester, New York, you know, I won in August and next June, I knew I knew who I was paired with. I knew the tea time, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and playing with some number one, number two player in the world in the US Open. Uh, it was a whole new whole new ball game. Because now you're it's I was an amateur playing in a professional tournament with the best players in the world. So um, learning experience. I mean I played really well, but it was I was extremely nervous in that tournament. So, um, but then that, that point forward, I also noticed that uh, as we got going, they were nervous too. I could tell they were nervous, you know, but they were just older and more experienced. That's all. Uh, but the, Curtis Strange, he won back to back. So I got a front row seat for 36 holes. So we played, we paired for two rounds and then there's a cut. We paired with him for 36 holes and saved by Stones for the first 36 holes. So I got a front row seat for, the, for half the tournament for the guy who eventually won the tournament, Curtis Strange. He shot a 71-64. And so the 64 was the best round golf I've ever seen. He actually bogeyed 17. And to shoot a 60, to, to shoot that 64, and, but to shoot a 64 in a U.S. Open course is like almost impossible to do. I mean, it's very difficult. So, uh, and then from there, on to a turn pro the next year and then played for 20 years professionally. And then so. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your journey is so interesting. And then you obviously got qualified in the masters too. How was that? Uh, that's a dream come true because it's, it seems like it's impossible to get in the masters. There's 90 players per year to, to play in the masters. And so. If you're in the Masters, so I won in uh, August, and I knew I was in, so next April is the Masters, so you can go back and play as many times as you want. So I went back three times uh, between August and April to play the course. But uh, it's a lot of the times I could only go by myself. I couldn't, I couldn't bring anybody with me. So it was, it was just, and you couldn't take a camera. You know, so it was like uh, only... I have great memories, but then it's like in my mind, you know, I can't, couldn't take any pictures. So, um, but the, but I did know that when, when you do tournament, there's people, there are people everywhere. I mean, and they're asking for autographs and it's really a lot of distractions. And all of a sudden you're used to playing with the collegiate players, but now all of a sudden Jack Nicklaus walks by or, you know, like Sebi Ballesteros, some of the best players in the world. Uh, I go on and on and on about that with the, uh, with the players. Uh, in the practice round, I played with Gary Player, played with Tom Kai, played with Marco Mera. Marco Mera won the Masters. He won the British Open also. Tom Kai won the U.S. Open. Um, yeah, so I got to play with players like that, experienced players, accomplished players. And so um, that was an experience. And then Tom Kai actually, you know, he helped me with the course. I, he, any question I had, he was, at, he was right there to answer. You know, he wasn't a, uh, one of the guys that wouldn't wouldn't give any information to the young young guy coming up, you know. So he, he helped me a bunch uh, figure out a game plan where to hit it, where to put the ball, you know, the, the, how the greens break. Uh, basically, really helped me a bunch. Um, and then I had it's tough to get a ticket to a to Augusta to the Masters, so but I ended up getting about uh, actually twenty of them because. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it worked that out, but we had we had a big group come out to watch. 
watch the tournament. So it was, it was fun. A lot of people from my home course in Southern California came out to watch. So that was neat to, to be able to play. Uh, I was paired with Sandy Lyle the first day, and so he was a former champion. So if you're uh, as a young player coming in, they're gonna they would pair you the U.S. Amateur champion. They're gonna pair you with a former champion. So it was Sandy Lyle all the time. So you have to play. You have to play with him, and so. That experience was incredible. I was there. I played like three practice rounds, and I played the two true rounds of tournament. I missed a cut, but um, most young guys do. This is, this is an experience. There's, you got to get used to the greens and know where to put put the ball. Even though I had a good idea what to do, you know, and start playing a tournament. It's kind of an experience thing. You got to get used to the golf course. But I'll never forget it. And I knew I thought I would for sure be back, but it's hard to get back. And so uh, I never did get back to the Masters, but wasn't for lack of effort, <laughs> to tell you that. So, uh, and then, uh, then after that, I played. Then I played the U.S. Open, like I, I told you that story. And then um, I played um, in the British Open, and I was paired with Mark Tepkovacci in the British Open. And so in that time, they didn't they didn't pair you with any fall or anything like that. But Mark Tepkovacci ended up winning the tournament. So played with him for the first two days. So out of the three majors I played that year. The guy I played with for 36 holes ended up winning the tournament. So I got a front row seat to see that. Pretty pretty incredible. I mean, what are the chances of that? You know? So, uh, yeah. So then from there, uh, I turned pro, and that was Walker Cup after that in August. And then I turned pro like the day after. And my first tournament was, first professional tournament was the Swiss Open over in um, Switzerland. So, on the European tour. Oh. And so, yeah, and then I went from there, went on from there to play 20 years. Right? Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> You're playing with all the top players. Yeah. And yeah. now you have your own golf academy at Las Vegas Golf Center. Can you tell yeah. us about your coaching philosophy? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so after 20 years of playing professionally, I thought it was a good idea to, to start a golf school because, first of all, my son was coming up and he wanted, he loves the game, loved the game, still does love the game. And it was a good opportunity to spend time with him and bring him through junior golf and then into college golf and give him a platform to play. If he, wanted, if he wants to play after college and he ends up, he's gonna, he wants to, he wants to turn pro. So it was a good opportunity for me to teach him how to play. And so along the way, um, other juniors started taking lessons like you guys, which is awesome because you have, um, you love the game and you want to be number one. I know you do. And you have the work ethic. So when I see that, you know, it really motivates me because I know, I know exactly what it takes to be number one in the world. And so, um, and there are a few things that I, a few mistakes I made along the way in my career that, that cost me, um, time basically it's a sport and it's a physical sport and so you only have so much time for your best golf and so it's an opportunity for me to pass on what i've learned okay let's do it this way let's avoid this and streamline you guys in your career and so uh so there's certain shots certain fundamentals with the golf swing you're going to need to hit certain shots okay certain type of strategy that you're going to want to you know looked into basically perfect in your practice rounds. Every time you play a course, 
figure out, you know, what's going to win the tournament, where do I need to place the ball, how fast are these greens, how am I in the world, is it down a few level, am I up in the Rocky Mountains, you know, playing at elevation, uh, and just kind of know, you know everything there is to know about the tournament before you play, and then uh, create the game plan, have your ball flight, execute your game plan, play to the finish line, and then ultimately be ranked properly, get your college scholarship to, so you can move on to the next level, um, get your degree, but also be able to play with the best players in the world. So, uh, like for me, uh, coming up through junior golf in Southern California and then going to Arizona gave me a platform to play against the best collegiate players. And then from there, I could move on to professional golf. And it's the same thing for, for both of you. As you move, make your way through junior golf, uh, it's going to give you a platform because right around the corner you're going to play collegiate golf and then you're going to be playing against the best players in college. And then from there, move on to professional golf if you want to. And, you know, it's, it's pretty, you'll have that opportunity. So for me, it was, it was, uh, it was an easy choice. You know, um, I'm going to bring my son through and then um, juniors like yourself uh, bring you through and then give you that platform, basically. Pass my knowledge of the game on to you so you can run with it basically. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That's a very great point. And what do you believe separates a top junior golfer from another top junior golfer? Work ethic. And then, uh, belief, like your self belief. If you, it's really easy to golf can really beat you down. It's a, it's a very difficult sport. And so, you know, one person wins each week in a tournament. So the other, if there's 50 players, you know, 49 <laughs> players, they're not feeling too good about it. You know, so the best players in the world, if they, if they won, you know, 10% of the time, it'd be amazing. So it's, a, it's more of a, it's a mental, mental thing. Um, you really need to just believe in yourself, outwork everybody, know where you're headed, and then just believe that you're going to get to where you want to go. So. Never going to know exactly where you're going to win, for sure. But you know you're going to win, okay? You know you have a feeling you're going to do great things, but you don't know exactly what those great things will be. So you need to have you need to have a vision. You need to have work ethic and adversity. You need to be able to make your way through adversity, and that's it, okay? Over ten years, solid work like that. Guess where you're going to be? You're going to be uh, at the top of your career, and so. I would say, you know, and we've talked about this before, but consistent work ethic every single day. Rules number one, then your sport. And then uh, if, it, if you're, you know, you're always working on trying to perfect weaknesses in your game and becoming a better player. And so, uh, and if you continue on through the difficult times, you end up being uh, ultimately a, a world-class player winning tournaments. And so I think it's just uh, really staying focused and working hard over an extended amount of time. Okay. Thank you so much for your great insight. And what do you recommend junior golfers to practice on? Short game, short game, short game, short game. So when in doubt, short game. So in the end, everybody is going to have a nice swing and hit it far, uh, hit the shots, go hit the shots. Um, 
but not everybody will be able to make a 20-footer consistently or make everything inside six feet or be able to get a ball up and in or chip in every single time. And so that's going to separate you. Along with your mental approach to the game, because what you, what you don't realize, professional golf is how difficult it is to play in front of people and play at a high, the highest level um, with a camera on you. And so it's tough to... Uh, get your heart rate down, get you where your hands aren't shaking, okay? So basically, you learn the short game early, learn to save shots, and then from there, you become uh, very strong mentally uh, to where you can keep your heart rate down and stay focused and play at a very high level while being nervous. It's a key deal. So, uh, But the whole physical part of the, part of the game, learning the golf swing, you need it, but... Like I said, everybody's going to have a good swing. Everybody's going to be able to hit the ball. So short game and mental approach, for sure. Mental game. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And obviously, under pressure, people tend to break down. So what do you recommend people to do in their pre-shot routines? Yeah, it needs to be the same every time. So if you have a – let's say you go out on that green at night. Everything, you make a practice stroke. Okay, so you take your look or look. Take the practice stroke, practice stroke, and then it's the same routine every time. You do that over and over and over. So when you have a, say it's a three footer, you practice it at the golf course every night, and you're putting yourself in that position mentally. You're putting yourself in that position. This is for the U.S. Open, um, and it's the same time every time. So now you have a three footer, and eventually, twelve years from now, to win this U.S. Open, you've done it thousands of times. And so you use the same routine, and you kind of trick yourself. Hey, this is the same thing I've done over and over and over. You wouldn't get in there with a different routine, a different time, and go think, well, this is for the U.S. Open. Well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to miss. So you need to basically work the process, you know, the same routine that you've done over and over and over. And then, you know, you would never put in your mind that this is for the U.S. Open. You would just make the putt, and then raise the trophy up okay so it's a it's a it's a mindset you know um the proper way of you know routine you using your routine to stay focused the same timing just like a field goal kicker just like a pitcher of a, 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 a baseball same routine uh, and you work on it day in and day out so you have it down so because someday you'll be in that situation you're gonna have a puck to win the u.s open or the u.s amateur or you know, U.S. Junior and everything. It's coming. It's there. It will be there. So that's why you put the extra time in and you work in routine along with, you know, getting your, getting your uh, physical game in order. But it's mostly, you know, your mental approach, your fit, your uh, routine you're working on out there. Um, and if you happen to miss a putt, then you go back to your physical stroke. But, you know, give the stroke, you know, the proper way it should be. But, uh, you, you know, you need to be working your routine when you practice. Mm-hmm. That's some great insight. And how long do you recommend junior golfers to practice? Five to eight hours a day. So I know it's tough. But it's school, and then, you know, so before some class, you practice it, uh, unless you have homework. Um, or you're in the gym, one of the two. And then, but you're never sleeping into class until class starts. So. To pick pick one of them, okay. So if you don't do it, if, it, if a junior chooses not to do that, somebody's doing that in the world. Those that junior is getting ahead of them, 
So you would never waste your time on that. Okay, then you would go to class, uh, and then every spare moment after that, you know, after your homework's done, you, you're practicing. So sometimes you need to use you know, sunlight. So basically, you know, at, at school's number one, but, you know, it's tough to practice in the dark. So, uh, but but if you need to skip practice before school, you need to do that. But um, ultimately, you need to practice five, five to eight hours a day. So in the summertime, you're definitely out there most of the day. Okay, especially in the morning and the evening. Okay, and then in there you're gonna work out. So I count the workout as part of your practice. You know, so five to eight hours, you know, the workout's gonna be an hour probably. So that's included. Yeah, that's included. So there, there you go, five to eight hours a day. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah that takes some hard work and dedication. And obviously, short game plays a huge role in one's performance, but um, full swing also is important. Do you believe yeah. mechanics play a huge role in one's performance? Yes, but there's if you look out in professional high level amateur golf and in professional golf, there's some similarities, but there everybody's a little bit unique. Nobody does it exactly the same way. Right? You know? So. Um, there's no, not just one way to get the job done, but you need to find a way that you could, where you can repeat your shots because if you can't hit the ball when you're looking consistently, then you're going to have to get the ball up and in to save par. When you're, when you're chipping, it's tough to chip the ball in. You can, but chances of making a birdie are much less, and there's a chance of making bogey. So you need to be able to hit the ball where you're looking. It's just like in football, Tom Brady, um, down and out pass, he needs to be able to hit the guy in the numbers. Otherwise, you're not going to have to be the quarterback. He's gonna, somebody's going to take his job. If you're a field goal kicker, can't knock it through the uprights every time. Somebody's going to take his job. Um, uh, pitcher, okay, you can't get it over the mound. Guess what? You know, you don't, you're eliminated. So in golf, you need to hit the ball where you're looking. So, like I said, there's more than one way to, to swing the club, but in my mind, I try to keep it as simple as possible because if you have more than two shots in your mind, one will be keeping your center point and let the club get the target, target, then it's too many swing shots. It's too difficult. Okay. And for me, uh, we talked about this. I don't like a loop in the swing. I like the, the club face where it is. Keep it, keep your center point and bring it up and back and, and so that you don't have to, um, there's no inconsistency in the swing. Okay, so you don't have to uh, perfect a loop in your swing. Okay, so that's the way I prefer. That's the way I found is the easiest to get the ball flight because if you're constantly working on your golfing and try, uh, you know, get past that to work on the ball flight, so you need to be, first of all, short game. Like you need to work on your ball flight. You know, all the different shots in the game, they're going to need on the course to execute your game plan. Okay, so. If you're constantly working on your swing and you can never get to the ball flight portion of it, then the swing isn't correct, you know, and then um, you need to get that right. Um, there's something going on in the swing that's causing that inconsistency. So um, although there's more than one way to swing the club, it needs to be consistent. You need to get consistent ball flight so you can execute your game plan. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a great piece of advice and philosophy. And if you had to share your secret sauce of advice on golf, what would it be? My what? Uh, your, your, like, secret sauce or your secret recipe. Oh, secret sauce. Uh, uh, work ethic. And so there's no substitute. 
this one thing you need to outwork everybody, and you got to want it. So if you don't want it and you're not outworking, it's over. You're kidding yourself. So before it even starts, it's over. You need to have in your mind what you want to accomplish. You need to go get it. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's definitely a great point. And finally, we're coming to the end. What would you tell competitive junior golfers and their parents? Well, they picked a great game, first of all. In my mind, it's the greatest game on the planet. It's, just a, it's an individual sport, but you also play. You meet a lot of friends along the way. Um, it's not subject, subjective, so it's a score. Somebody's not judging you. So I love that about golf. So they have their kids in the right, they're probably in a good sport. And now it also teaches, um, you know, basically you can't cheat in golf. Um, but basically you get out of it what you put into it. And then physically, it doesn't hurt, hurt you. So it's a, it's a good sport to be in. And then uh, whether you play professionally or not, you're going to use it the rest of your life, either in business or, you know, with your family. Um, it's just a great sport. Uh, if the young junior wants to play junior golf and then maybe go into college golf and then maybe even into professional golf, it's all a bonus, okay? College golf is a bonus, okay? Professional golf is, is definitely a bonus. To play just to get a scholarship, let's say, is not a good way to go because it's too, it's very difficult to get that, to be good enough to get a, a golf scholarship. And so at some point, um, young junior is going to burn out. So it needs to come from within. So to, hey, you know, get your young junior out to the course early, see if they like it, let them enjoy the game first, let, let them learn to love the game, and then compete. You know, and then go from there. And then, you know, everybody fails in the beginning. It's just a tough game. Um, allow, allow your junior to fail, you know. And then for the young juniors, well, hey, go out and do the best you can. If you fail, you fail. But you gave it 100%. And then try to be better the next time. And try to be better the next time. That's how it works. And then uh, because there's a good foundation there that the young junior um uh, really likes the game, learns to love the game, is okay with, I did my best, but didn't do so well today, but let's be better the next time. Um, you know, then it's a, it's a healthy thing and the, the junior's going to excel. And then um, parents are really going to enjoy watching their young junior excel. I, I've noticed watching Cameron and then watching you guys, it's fun watching. Okay, I know how Difficult the game is. I know the pressure to play even junior golf tournaments. I understand that. I bet though. And I know it's going to go, it's going to get even uh, more so when you play in front of people. But the thing is, is if you do your best, you get your, you know, your game in order, you go out there and do the best you can. Uh, You know, that's why winning tournaments is so great. Losing tournaments is pretty tough sometimes. But, you know, it's all the work that goes into it and that. You know, it's all worth it in the end. So, um, but I would say it's a long journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint also. So, yeah, it's a good journey, though. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your great pieces of advice and for your empathy on the game. Sure. And Thank you. Thank you for the answers. Hope this this helped. Yeah, it helps so much. Thank you for coming here again. Do you want to see? Okay, guys. All right. Cameo, where are you? 
I'm right here. I witnessed everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, If you need anything else, just let me know. Uh, You know, if you forgot to ask a question, whatever. Okay. Thank you so much, Coach Meeks. Have a good night. Okay, guys. Thank you for listening today. Please share this with a friend and subscribe to be sure you get our next episode. Hope your next round is your best round.